the first round I played Davis Thompson, who was at the moment the number one am in the world. And I did not know who he was. Like I showed up, I was like, wow, this guy acts a little different. He's a little bigger, just looks he's just different. And I'm three up with him on him with three to go. Just make par. Just guided up there. And I ended up making another bogey and he made par. So now we're in a uh, a playoff and I had the same stinking man- mentality. Just basically try not to win it, just try not to lose it. And I ended up losing on the first playoff hole. So he won four straight holes. And that was the most I've ever learned in a golf tournament, I think. Today on the Tournament Code, we're joined by Evan Davis. Evan played at Belmont University and is one of the best players in Ohio Valley Conference history. Evan won the championship for the Ohio Valley Conference in 2020, giving him an automatic bid into the NCAA championships. He also got into the NCAA championships as an at-large bid in 2021. Evan has also played in his fair share of elite amateur golf tournaments, including the United States Amateur, the Western Amateur, and the Southern Amateur. To start this podcast off, I'm going to tell a little story about Evan just to give you an idea of the quality of individual that he is. Like I said, Evan played at Belmont and I played at Moorhead State, so we were frequently paired together in college tournaments. This particular story happens in Cashers, North Carolina, at Western Carolina's golf tournament. We both played pretty well in the morning round, maybe one or two under for each of us, and just going along, playing playing our games. And as kind of as soon as we start the second round, I have a realization that I forget this huge assignment for school the night before that I had to turn in. And uh, I basically have a panic attack, or what was later identified as a panic attack. Uh, I didn't want to be out there playing golf at that moment. I was visibly torn up. I started out double bogey, bogey, and might have included a three putt and a four putt, I think. And I just was having a really, really tough time. And you could easily see that from an outsider's perspective. And I'll always remember this moment. Evan, he just put his armor on me and said, man, it's going to be all right. You know, something to the effect of we're just out here playing golf. And, you know, it really, really had an effect on me. And I I actually ended up playing really well from there on out. And I think I somehow salvaged the 74. So that's just the type of man that we're dealing with here. And hope you all enjoy the show. And kind of starting on that note, uh, we know you're from Lexington, Kentucky. You play at Belmont. Talk to us about your junior career and what that was like and how you ended up at Belmont. Yeah. So, uh, growing up here in Lexington, um, I started to play golf competitively when I was about 10, nine years old, um, on the, what was called the Pepsi junior tour in Lexington. And, uh, but I originally got, uh, got into golf, uh, through my grandpa. Um, he was big into golf. Um, 
and he actually we still have it he cut me down a six iron that i think is about the shaft is like a foot long and we still have it um so it's kind of cool to look at every once in a while but um so yeah started playing golf uh pretty much ever since i was little it, golf wasn't my first love though just kind of growing up in lexington basketball was definitely my first love and um especially in like elementary school and middle school all I wanted to be was a UK basketball player. Probably I wasn't alone in that growing up in Lexington. Um, but yeah, um, grew up on Tate's Creek Golf Course. Uh, just what a place to grow up on. <laughs> it's kind of sketchy at points late at night because it's not in the safest area, but it's great. And then um, Tate's Creek Country Club. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, yeah it honestly growing up there was a blessing because it kind of um it didn't have a driving range like the greens aren't terrible but they're not great so it kind of taught me how to play golf and not necessarily a swing which i'm super grateful for um but yeah absolutely loved it and then honestly was kind of a late bloomer um i didn't really take golf i'm just y'all kind of know me pretty well um i'm super competitive like it doesn't matter what it is video games board games anything like i want to win i want to compete i want to beat you um but honestly kind of late bloomer um didn't really start taking it too seriously until probably my junior year of high school um and that's when i kind of realized like the lord has given me this gift and talent and i just want to use it all for him because he's given me the gift and I just want to give it back to him and worship him with that. And then um, Daniel actually kind of helped me getting to Belmont. And, uh, but Ash and Van Horn, who I don't know, maybe y'all will have him on the show. Um, he, I played with him my junior year when I started to kind of get a little bit better. And he was like, Hey, you're looking to play in college. And I was like, I'd like to, but if I don't, get a college scholarship anywhere i think i'm just going to turn pro and he kind of giggled and uh he was like well i went to belmont university i was like cool and i hadn't heard of it and he was like it was in nashville tennessee if you'd like i can kind of hook you up with our coach uh scott flynn and i was like i'd love that because i haven't really heard from anything other than like a couple of d3 d2 schools that i didn't really want to go to and praise the lord the lord opened the door and um, Coach Flynn was basically the only legitimate D1 offer that I had that I would even consider. So, um, yeah, it was just a kind of a very unexpected blessing. I'm super um, a homebody. Um, I didn't want to move away from home, but moved to Nashville, and it was an awesome five years. So I kind of got a couple of questions that go along um, with your first answer. First off is when did you start getting into really serious junior tournaments and when did you start seeing a swing coach and that those did those two things coincide with each other i i would actually say they would um i i'm trying to remember my first golf tournament i ever won I, it was my second golf tournament i ever played and it was at the bull and i shot 44 and <laughs> I remember Cannon Claycomb came in second, and I think I beat him by like eight shots or something like that. Um, but 
I had like early kind of junior success. Obviously, they weren't like any too big of tournaments, but I was learning how to win, um, which I think was really important. Just even though some of the tournaments probably only had like eight players in it, I was learning how to win and just how to compete. Um, but then kind of had from er the beginning of high school to my junior year, I don't think I won anything, which was um, a good learning experience, but kind of frustrating because I don't like losing. Um, but I started to, whenever I started taking serious over the, my junior year winner. And I, my dad was like, I think we need to find yourself a swing coach. I was like, sure. And the first person I went to was Larry Ward. And he scared the crap out of me. Like, uh, I hope he listens to this, but I went there. I still remember it like it was yesterday. Hitting, hitting it great. Putting, it was great. And he was like, well, I can tell you practice a lot. And I was like, thank you. And he was like, your fundamentals are horrible, but yet you're hitting it good and you're making every putt. And that scared me to death. And I was like, oh, my goodness, he's going to try to change everything. And then, uh, so it was kind of in the searching phase. And then we went to Grover next and I absolutely loved him. He was super simple, just kind of like down to earth. And then, um, worked with him that whole winter. And then my first tournament, I believe was in early March and it was at Keen Trace. And, uh, I won the first tournament that I worked with him and just worked really hard over that off season. And I made like a 20 foot putt on hole number 18 and it was just awesome and uh i don't also think it's a coincidence that winter i read a book called it's golf uh, golf is not a game of perfect by bob rotella and i think just the two collided um the mental side and then just my swing a little bit more mature so evan uh you said you started work with grover you were concerned because um you really have this athleticism for people that don't know you you're Five nine, I think one fifty, one sixty, something like that. I'm actually one thirty nine. <laughs> one thirty nine, and uh, your weight is almost the same as your top club head speed. I know you've gotten up to one twenty nine and a half, so you've got this real <laughs> athleticism, and it's not necessarily something that you've worked hard on intentionally to swing fast, I believe, or anything like that. It's something that you have developed through a lot of other areas. You played basketball growing up. What was it like taking basketball, that talent, and then transitioning into playing competitive golf? Tell us a little bit about your basketball background. So basketball, I started playing ever since I was little. Just like, even if it was like a little hoop that you put on the back of your door, I'm just playing with buddies around the neighborhood or whatever. But uh, so I played basketball for my middle school um I, I was a fourth grader and I made it on the fifth grade team in middle school for um LCA Lexington Christian Academy and that's kind of where I started obviously I'm not the biggest most intimidating dude um the ball was way bigger than I was so kind of shot from the hip for a long time um but just Man, basketball was just awesome. I absolutely loved it. Um, that's one thing I do miss from the golf side. It's all individual. It's all on you. If you're having a bad day, well, you just got to pick yourself up. And I love that. But then the nice thing about basketball is if you have a bad day, <laughs> just keep dishing it to somebody else until they start making the shots. 
Um, but just anything competing. Um, cause I grew up playing football until obviously, uh, I got too small and was getting absolutely beat up. Um, love baseball. Um, yeah, but the basketball side, I just love competing. Um, and it was honestly, whenever there's somebody bigger, I always played my best when the competition was the best. Um, and I think basketball helped me with golf because the bigger, the bigger the tournament, usually the more focused I am and the better I play, which obviously I need to get better at playing best in smaller tournaments too. But, uh, yeah. That makes sense. And jumping back to where we were talking about your swing instructor, Grover, Grover justice, uh, played at UK played professionally. Tell us what that was like starting to work with him as far as not just the swing and the mechanics is I've looked back at some of your old swing videos. You're super fluid. You got a lot of athleticism there. And from what I've seen, he's really only just tweaked a few things here and there, not made any major swing overhauls, let you, uh, harness that, but your scores have improved as well over that time. Obviously, What's it been like working not just with him on swing, but also as far as the playing aspect? Absolutely. So that was one of the main things that I was looking for in a swing coach was somebody that was hopefully a stud at some point that actually knew um, pro golf because that's always been my dream. Um, that's one thing I've always like. The Lord has given all of us dreams and gifts, and that is one of my dreams, and I just want to pursue that fully. So I was like, I need somebody that has walked the ropes. Um, of pro golf. Cause I knew that's what I wanted to do. And Grover praise the Lord was the second person that I went to. And I just fell in love with him. He was just so easygoing, so simple. And that's kind of the guy I am. I don't really think much when I'm on the golf course. I just kind of, I just play golf. And, uh, that was one thing that he always told me was like, Evan, you're good is good enough. Like just go out there and play golf. And, um, honestly now, I know my swing just as good as Grover knows my swing. So honestly, I just hang out with them. Like I, I probably have a legit lesson like once every like couple months, three months. Um, like I sw send him swing videos and he's always like, looks good. But he really taught me how to play golf. And that is something that I'm super grateful for and just how to get the ball in the hole. I've played my share of tournaments with Grover and he's definitely taught me a lot of how to play golf, but what are some specific things that he taught you in regards to how to play the game? So one of the main things he always taught me, especially for practice is like, you need to get absolutely bulletproof with your wedges. Um, you need to get absolutely comfortable with kind of one shot shape with the driver. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, cause if you think about it, if you eliminate not one side of the golf course, but one side of a miss, it's kind of easier to drive it because you just have to, like, if you're hitting a cut, just aim up the left side and you know, it's coming back. And if it overcuts, oh, well, and if it doesn't cut, you're probably on the left side of the fairway. Um, but, um, honestly, Grover and my coach at Belmont, coach Flynn, I'm so indebted to both of them because they have helped me an unbelievable amount. Um, Coach Flint, he's kind of my short game guy. Uh, he 
honestly, sure, chipping coming into college, horrible. Like I didn't know the technique at all. Um, Grover kind of taught me how to chip, but Coach Flynn is just a wizard with the wedges. I mean, it is unbelievable. And the wisdom he's had, and I didn't really start playing well until I came to Belmont, and there's no coincidence because of Coach Flynn. Um, so, yeah. And I want to jump to Coach Flynn here. Uh, I'm familiar with him. Tell us some of those specifics, if you don't mind, as far as what he worked on with you, what sort of information he taught you, because he's worked with a lot of players and seen a lot of different things. Tell us specifically what he did for you. And I know it's tough going down to uh, Tennessee. You're playing off a lot of Bermuda down there. And it's a little bit different of a lie and different a little bit little bit different of a ground than playing out of Kentucky where in Kentucky it's a little more teed up for you most of the time. Oh, hundred percent. And especially I think before I went down to Belmont, I played off of Bermuda, I think once in my life. And then I absolutely hated Bermuda the whole first year. And I was like, if I ever become a golf course superintendent or like the president of America for golf or the USGA, like I'm destroying all Bermuda in the country like i absolutely despised it especially with chipping but uh coach flynn really taught me like the mental side um he's so wise he's talked to so many people um there's so much i could talk about um first thing is like instilling confidence that like hey you can do this like he he would tell you if you couldn't because He's done that before, but he's like, you can do this. Um, and just taught me how to play golf. And the specifics is um, like one shot shape. Um, he kind of has a funny rule where it's like rule number one, don't hit the tree. Don't hit a tree. And rule number two is see rule number one. <laughs> it's just like um, I, I'm kind of an aggressive golf player just by nature. Like I kind of like going for the hero shot sometimes. And he's kind of like taught me like, Hey, that's great. But sometimes that kills you. Like that hurts your golf game. That kills your strokes. Like, um, but keeping it simple, honestly, um, cause sometimes I overcomplicate it. Um, even though I am a simple guy. Um, but yeah, he's been absolutely incredible. Um, especially with the mental side and just like, Staying in the present, I know that's always cliche, and you always hear PGA Tour players after they win, oh, I just stay in the present this week, and it's like, no, that's actually like what they did. Um, they kind of forget the past and look forward to the future, but the future is only the next shot ahead. That's beautiful. And speaking of coaching, as you said, you started working with Grover. You started taking the game a little more seriously when you're playing in tournaments. And in spring 2015, looks like you're about averaging – high 70s that's about when you started taking it a little more seriously spring 2017 uh averaging mid 70s with a third at the u.s uh junior am qualifier and a top 20 at an ajga and then spring 2017 you start an average low 70s and with a fourth at the kentucky junior am and there's a solid there's always a solid field at that event but there was a very solid field there that year those are some large jumps to be making golf-wise. You said it was in part due to practicing. You worked on making your wedges bulletproof. What else were you working on out there? What helped you uh, get that edge, not just uh, through practice, but taking that from the 
practice area to the course? Honestly, this could be a long story, so I'll try to make it short. Um, this was, I believe it was. Take Bubba, your time. <laughs> okay, cool. I believe it was Bubba Watson's first or second masters, which I think was in 2015. I think that is correct. But um, this is when I was like, I really love golf. Like, this is what I want to do. And I remember him walking up 18. He was basically already going to win. He was already being Bubba and crying or whatever. And I remember, like, not like the Lord give me, like, an audible voice, but just, like, this is my plan for you. Like, I remember that so vividly, and I was like, Lord, I'm going to work so hard for this. And honestly, from that point, and kind of what you're telling the numbers, which I think is funny, you have all those numbers. It's awesome. Uh, honestly, just working really hard. Um, and like I said earlier, I read uh, Bob Rotella's book, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect. And it's just so stinging simple, and we make it so complicated. It's literally like work. It, there's a part in the book where he's talking about practice, but he's like, on the range, 70% of your practice should be 140 yards and then. And 20% of your practice should be drivers, and the other 10%, well, it, it matters, but it's not the most important. Like, if you have your wedges good and your driver good, the rest will more than likely just fluidly fit together. So that's when I started working hard. I mean, in the winter, my dad would drive me kind of, even if it was snowy, drive me to the back of Keene and I'd hit in the back shed for an hour or so, even if it was snowy. Um, and then my senior year, I actually took a, um, I forget exactly what they call it, but it was basically like a work uh, mutual thing with my school. And I made my work session with Grover. I didn't really do much in the way of uh, work. I just worked on my golf game. Um, and I got an extra like two hours of practice every day. Um, and basically just showed up at Grover's at like 1.30. I would ask if he needed anything. He's like, no, nah, you're good. Just go practice. So I'd go practice. And That's a pretty good setup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish Lexington, Lexington Catholic had something like that. I would have definitely taken advantage. Um, but you mentioned that the majority of your practice is with your with your driver and your wedges. Um, dive a little bit deeper into what specifically you do to practice your driver and then what specifically you do to practice your wedges, whether that be on the range or on the course or Absolutely. Both. So I'll start with on the range. Um, wedges basically I don't really like to curve my wedges at all I just aim wherever I want them to go and just try to hit it dead straight um, so basically all I have to work on is trajectory and distance control um, so basically I have for every wedge I have three swings that I have that go about 10 to 5 yards different and then basically I just work off of those um, and then we have a nice area in the back of Keen and they have like metal targets out there so I just try to absolutely beat those up um, and then with driver I just I have not tried to hit a draw with a driver in probably four years so basically I'm just trying to hit the 
tiniest like five yard cut and then um and then i try to absolutely destroy and just hit bombs with driver on the range and try to control the face and still try to hit a tiny little cut and that's basically um all i do i'm more i like playing more than i do practicing i love practicing but if i had the choice i'd much rather go play 36 in a day um so most of the time whenever i'm on the course and lord willing there's not 200 people at Keene. um i go out on the course and just drop a few balls um try to cut wedges or cut irons into the right pins try to draw some into the left pins and just try to play golf um just hit golf shots and use my imagination um and then in tournaments just keep it simple keep the ball in between the middle of the green and the pin and throw a few putts in every once in a while so yeah you kind of answered my next question there at the end a little bit but when you're on the course do you like to play you know games with friends or a money game i know you've been involved in some of <laughs> some of our money games or do you or do you like to just like you said drop a few balls and get some good work in that way i love um like i've said earlier i love competing it doesn't matter if it's for no dollars at all one dollar or it's a big money game where it's fifty dollars it does not matter to me um i just want to beat whoever i'm playing against um but honestly whenever i practice i like being by myself i don't really like having anybody else like if somebody's around like i'm not upset but i prefer being by myself and just focusing on my craft um and just not having any distractions um but yeah i prefer probably practicing more on the course than i do um like on a range or on a chipping green although the new area in Keene will be sick so i am excited to do that um but yeah i prefer that's why i kind of like practicing more in the early mornings or late at night um just because it's just you and the lord and that's about it very cool talking about that jump from junior golf to college had a question regarding how you made that jump because you come in in 2017 stroke averages 76.2 college is a little tougher uh, obviously so you get there but you're playing and finishing near middle of the pack and then all of a sudden the spring comes around you all you almost win the ryman and you t5 for those ovc championship was there a jump there or what was it like getting comfortable in that environment there was a massive jump um so coming in to belmont uh, I had a conversation with Ashton Van Horn and he was like, cause I was kind of nervous. I was like, did you get to travel on every tournament? Cause it, I was like, I want to play. Like, I don't want to go somewhere and never play. Cause I love playing. And he's like, dude, what the team they got this upcoming year, you'll be just fine. Like you won't have a problem qualifying at all. I hope none of them get offended if they listen to this podcast but uh ashton's honest that's for sure <laughs> and i did not qualify for the first tournament and i put so much stinking pressure on myself for no reason to just like play well and it took me a while it took me basically a whole semester and basically eight or nine tournaments to realize I'm putting so much pressure on myself to perform. Um, 
And I realize I'm really good when there's like outside pressure to perform, but like when it's coming from me, it, it's not good. Um, so basically I missed the first tournament, but then praise the Lord qualified for every other tournament ever that I had at Belmont. So that was awesome. Um, but didn't qualify for the first one, which was in West Virginia. And then my first tournament ever was at Colonial in Memphis. And it was the hottest golf tournament ever. And I don't even know if I broke 80, honestly. Like, it was so bad. And uh, I was just so nervous and just like one bad shot. I'd get so mad. And just be like, you're throwing shots away, man. Like, um, and basically did that for a whole semester. I don't think, I don't even know if I broke par, honestly. I don't know, know if you have stats on that. But, um, uh, and then I was putting horribly, horribly, and my teammates will make fun of me for this. We had qualifying one time in the spring, and I shot 72 or 73. It was 73 at a course called Hermitage in Nashville, and I had 43 putts. Like, I was putting atrociously. I hit every green. Like, I was a ball-striking show, but I, like, three-putted basically – Oh, just about every hole. Like, it was horrible. And Coach Flynn was talking to me about, like, your shoulders are so stinking open. Like, your shoulders are 50 degrees open. I'm like, no, they're not. Like, they're fine. And I was, like, being the freshman I was and thought I knew everything. And he finally convinced me to, like, square up my shoulders. And I actually went left-hand low. And ever since then, it's been awesome with the putter. Um, I went left-hand low, the tournament right before the Ryman. And uh, I actually three-putted my first hole ever going left-hand low in a tournament. And I was just like, you know, it's okay. And that was the first hole of my entire freshman year that I was like, it's okay. Like, you're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Just do your best. And just play every hole, play every shot for the Lord. And it was the best tournament I've had in over a year since going to college. And I actually, um, I think I was in like second or third, just like a couple of shots back after, um, like 53 holes in my last hole. It, it's a short par four. The greens are just like perfect. They're probably rolling like 11. Um, and there's a front pin and there's water, um, in front of the green on 18 and I hit a perfect little shot and it lands like five feet behind the pin and spins off into the water. And then I do it a second time a little bit closer. So I actually ended up making like triple or quad on my very last hole, but I could care less. I was like, I finally have my first top 10 in a golf tournament and I understand how to play golf a little bit better. And uh, that was actually how I got enough points to get a world amateur ranking. Uh, ranking i guess and uh there um dawson armstrong i think won it um but it was just really cool just to be like you know i can do this and i figured out kind of the mental side of like what's best for me you talked about switching to left hand low with with the putter did you have any equipment changes or have you stuck with the same putter all the way through college so i think my junior year of high school I switched to a Scotty Cameron X5 when they first came out. Um, 
future X5. And then I use that all the way till my sophomore year, I believe. And then I switched to a Newport 2 blade, I think, the summer in between my freshman and sophomore year of college. And I absolutely love that thing. And then I switched to a, the new Scotty Cameron X5 um, with the little slant neck, like the Justin Thomas putter, um, my senior year of college. So I used the Futura for about three years and then used the Newport for about three years. And I've been using this one for about a year and a half. So Very cool. So you get through that freshman year, you kind of learn what it's like to play a little bit better golf and then going into 2018 your stroke average jumps by three you get to you get down to 73 you're placing pretty solid in some events and then 2019 uh you have your first win you win the pine tree intercollegiate yeah. uh your stroke average that year is 70.4 which is a school record what was that like go i mean that's three strokes a year each of those jumps comes with something pretty significant. What do you feel like changed between those years or that you just learned over that time? Was it just pure experience or was there more to it? I think there was some experience, but honestly, I honestly did not know how to play the game of golf. Um, I know probably everybody that's probably going to be listening to this podcast has heard, heard of decade golf. Um, I honestly thought it was kind of cheesy. Um, I was like, yeah, this is kind of like, it's kind of obvious. Like if you have a four iron in your hand and there's a pin four paces off the edge of the green, you don't aim at it. But just like learning course management, I think was key. Um, so the, I'm trying to think, I, I, it was my spring semester, sophomore year, first tournament of the year, we had a tournament in Savannah, Georgia. And I had the lead going into the last round and I ended up coming in second but uh the last three holes I put so much pressure on myself and I was just like I wanted to win so stinking bad and I just put too much pressure on myself and I think I ended up bugging two of the last three and ended up losing by one and that was a big learning experience for me because it's like you know you're never not trying not to win. So why try harder? Um, so basically, it's just like, you know, I know I'm going to try to win. It's not like I'm not trying to. So I, that also just like that mentality of just like not caring. Like I care, obviously, but just care less. Um, like be fully committed to hitting good shots, but being fully accepting to hitting bad shots. And that's kind of how... Uh, I play golf. That's kind of how I play golf now. It's like, you know, I'm going to make an aggressive swing and just if it doesn't work out. So be it. And another thing that happened during that time, when the, especially the three, it was a 73 scoring average to 70 my 2019 year. It's basically just, it's all the six inches in between your head, just like complete emotion control. And if you hit a bad shot, like, okay, like don't get mad about it and let, you being mad about it ruin your next like two or three holes and honestly that adds up even if it's like one tournament like you shoot 70 that's fine but then you get mad the next round and then you end up shooting 76 or something 
it adds up pretty quickly. And that's the hard thing about golf. That's really interesting that um, decade helped you so much with your mental, mental side of the game and just not, you know, allowing you to not try as hard and be accepting of various results on each individual shot. Um, what else did decade help you with? And did it change your strategy at all? It actually did. I, I don't think this is anything that Scott Fassett actually says, but basically the whole point of decade is to give yourself more birdie putts and less birdie chips. And so basically it's like, so basically if I give myself more birdie putts, I will score better because I'm good with my putter and I'll, I will get a two putt more likely than I will get up and down with a chip. So basically it's just like, just try to hit the middle of the green to where the flag is and just get in between there the whole time and you'll be okay. I've never heard it phrased that way, but it's so uh, real though. It's pretty commonsensical. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's basically, I don't think he ever says that like, but that's basically all decade is and all course management should be. It's just like, give yourself more birdie putts and less birdie chips. So also I was wondering, do you hit more drivers now after using decade? I know I would consider your driver, the strength of your game. Thank You're you. pretty much <laughs> three twenty down the middle, just about every time. Um, so I'm curious to see if that T shot strategy changed any. I honestly, I don't think so. Um, because I know the driver's a strength in my game, so I try to keep that puppy in my hand whenever I can. Um, but obviously, since because going into college, I think my club head speed was like 114, and I think I weighed 120 pounds. And then I gained ever since then, I think I'm like my normal club head speed's around like 121 ish, 122 ish. And, uh, I think I just try to keep the driver in my hand as much as possible. Um, I never really hit three wood off the tee much, um, cause I have a three iron that I can make it run just as long as a three wood. So, and I'm more accurate with it. So that makes sense. Finally, uh, going to your last few years at Belmont, uh, you had stroke after 70, point one nine uh win the OVC championship break your own school record that you set what was that like what did that feel like and um after after completing it looking back was it was it as rewarding as you thought something like that might be yeah um this was this was in 2019 when I won my first college golf tournament it was kind of funny because I've been like dreaming about it. I was like, I want to win. I want to have a trophy. And I, whenever I won it, I was like, is this really it? I'm like, honestly, no, even my teammates, they don't really care. And it's just like, uh, cause I remember like I walked off the green I was hoping like my teammates would kind of like dog pile me or like throw water on me or something. And they were just like, Hey, good job. Like congrats. And I was just like signing my scorecard. I was like, Honestly, I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've put this on a pedestal because like it did not fulfill what I thought it was going to fulfill. And it it was kind of a letdown, but it was good. It was kind of humbling because it's like, you know, like 
great job you won because that's what you always like try to do like that's what your goal always is in a tournament but it's like honestly nobody really cares um and it was humbling in that moment because it's like you know it's at the end of the day it's just you and the lord um at least for me um but definitely it was really cool to break my record twice um and i think um i think it's an ovc record too i don't know that for certain because they don't have that like as a on their record books or whatever but i think that's an ovc record too which is cool to be a conference leader in something um but yeah that uh my legit senior year the 2020 to 2021 it was an awesome uh i guess one semester um because i got to i got to i think i won twice i think my worst finish i finished outside the top three once or five once um so basically every tournament i showed up to i believed i could win and uh almost did or did and uh got to play in the ncaa regions for the first time and i actually played with james pyatt and chris Goderup in one round um and james pyatt went on to win the usam that summer and that was honestly encouraging to, for me too because it was like i hung with him and honestly like i hit the ball farther than him but it's like you know i can compete at the highest level so that was encouraging and chris Goderup absolutely demolished the golf ball i thought i hit it far and then i played with him and he's like 15 by me but yeah so yeah you're talk you talked about how you're you know you're killing it in the ovc barely ever finishing outside the top 10 um breaking your own school records and that great play allowed you to be able to play in you know some some really big tournaments you know the u.s mm -hmm. amateur at bandon you get to play in ncaa regionals and then you get to play in the western amateur and the southern amateur and i believe mm -hmm. the north south as well talk about um the difference between an ovc tournament and then those big time amateur tournaments um and what you know what you feel differently and just what is different about yeah. them so the first big am tournament that i ever played in if you want to call that was the north south it was i believe the first year i played in it was in 2019 or maybe it was 2020 i forget but it's one of the two 2020 you played in it and made it to the first round of match play perfect that's exactly what i want so first time playing in like if you want to call it a major i don't think it is technically for am golf but it was a big tournament the biggest tournament i've ever played in and um north south you play 36 and then there's a cut and then the 32 and then it's match play and praise the lord i made like a 10 or 15 footer i think i shot two or three under on number two the second round and I got inside the cut line by one. And I think if I didn't make that like 10 footer for par, I would have had to go to a playoff and it was like 12 for one or something like that. So praise the Lord, I made that. So I didn't have to worry about that. Um, and the first round I played Davis Thompson, who was at the moment, the number one am in the world. And I did not know who he was. Like I showed up, I was like, wow, this guy acts a little different. 
He's a little bigger, just looks, he's just different. And that moment in the USAM at Bandon were the two most awesome learning opportunities I had in my entire career so far. Um, so the North South first round played in the match play, I played Davis Thompson. And I'm three up with him on him with three to go. And in my mind, I'm like, awesome. Like, you're going to, like, in my, in my mind, I'm like, I believe I'm the best player in the world because I'm being the best player in the world. And I was like, just try to par this hole, like make him try to birdie it. Cause if you tie him, you're going to, you're going to win. So 16 is like a tough par four. And I hit it in the waste bunker on the right and he hits it on the green. And I try to hit um, a five iron out of the waste bunker onto the green and hit in the short sided bunker. He makes par. No, I'm sorry. He rolls in the birdie, so I pick it up. So it's like, you know, just hit the ball in the middle of the green on this hole. Make him make birdie. You'll be fine. And I just try to guide a seven iron, pull it short-sided. He makes another, He makes par or whatever. So now I'm only one up with one to go. And I, I had the same mentality. Just, just make par. Just guide it up there. And I ended up making another bogey, and he made par. So now we're in a, uh, a playoff, and I had the same stinking man mentality. Just basically try not to win it, just try not to lose it. And I ended up losing on the first playoff hole. So he won four straight holes. And that was the most I've ever learned in a golf tournament, I think, up to so far in my career. Because there was no reason I needed to change my mentality from the first 14, 15 holes of the round. Because, um, I mean, I think I was like four under maybe on number two, which is great, um, through like 15 holes. And basically I was just like, I was playing not to not to lose. Um, and then that's when I kind of started to learn how to win um, after that. Because And that's one thing, like if you don't win in a golf tournament, you learn. And then obviously I didn't win that day, but it was like I got so much better because of it. And then later that summer, I also had the privilege of playing at um, Bandon for the USAM. And a very, another kind of similar um, instance and experience that I had to learn because I think I was, I believe I was the first group out for like the whole tournament for the first round. I'm so stinking nervous, but I'm so stinking excited. And I was actually three under through four just cruising. And I think I ended up shooting like three under or two under on the front. And I was like, great. And um, on number 10, I pull hooked my drive left and I never hit it left. And basically, I was just kind of uncommitted about the sight line or whatever. And I got so stinking mad. Like my dad was catting for me. And I feel so bad that he was on that day. But I got so mad. So I ended up, I was three under through four and on the back nine, I think I shot like 48 or something. And I ended up shooting like 78 or nine in the, it was something like 45, 46 or something bad on the back. So I basically went from playing some of the best golf I've ever played to with one swing, ended up shooting like one of the worst nines I've had. And that was also a big learning experience because it was like, man, this is like 
the US AM and I just put too much pressure on myself again. But then the next day, um, I played Band and Dunes and I did not putt very well, but I ended up shooting like 70 or something like that. And I actually played with James Pyatt then. So that was the first time I got to play with him. And he um, was second in like the stroke play part. So I actually learned a lot just watching him because I felt like I hit the ball just as good or better than him and putted just as good or better. But yet he was nine under and I was like five over or something like that. Um, so yeah, those two, sorry, that was a long story, but those two experiences were the most, uh, probably pivotal points in my college career. Those are good experiences to be able to pull on to when you play in more events. I know you're going to do Q school here in the fall, but playing with guys like Pyatt, Goderup, et cetera, when you play against them, you see that they're human too. They're just like you. But in the same way, uh, there's some things about them that uh, feel a little different, as you said. Like somehow you felt like you were hitting the ball better than him, but he got the ball in the hole in fewer strokes. What did that teach you as far as, uh, as far as doing that for yourself, becoming like that person? Because a lot of times those guys – do have very similar capabilities uh, to a degree as a lot of other guys, but they have that uh, quote-unquote ability to get the ball in the hole, though a lot of times it's skill that you can't see with your eyes. What, what was it like taking that, taking that experience in, and what can you apply to your tournaments learning from that? Absolutely. So basically I kind of learned in – basically the summer of 2020 it's like to be great it's the six inches in between your ears um because obviously i felt like i will hit the ball and put the ball just as good or better than the people i was playing but yet they were kind of waxing me um and basically it's just like i have to learn how to control my emotions and not let my emotions control me and i'm still learning that like um it's not a easy thing to do um, it's a process. And one of the, my favorite athletes of all time is Roger Federer. And if you watch him, um, you can't tell if he's two sets up and just absolutely just cruising or if he's two sets down, like it's all the same. And tennis and, um, golf have a lot of similarities cause it's like, it's just you, like you don't have anybody to lean on. Like if you're having a bad day, well, you just do your best and see what, can come of it because it, it can all change in one swing um but just it, it's all just how well you focus and about how well you you control your emotions and how confident you are and confidence is a choice ultimately because it's just basically believing in yourself that you can do what you set out to do that make that makes sense and taking that i wanted to ask specifically about the athletes that you look up to, the golfers that you look up to a degree as far as watching them play, what athletes are those and what do you kind of take away from them and say, Hey man, maybe I can apply that more to my own game. Just like Federer that you talked about there. Absolutely. Um, definitely recently the athletes that I kind of like look up to, um, Roger Federer, um, and especially since the Wimbledon just happened, watching 
uh, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic and just the way that they just carry themselves. It's just different than everybody else. Like in the Wimbledon final, Nick Kyrgios and Djokovic played. Honestly, I think Nick was the better player that week, but he just emotionally was a train wreck. Like he probably should have won, but he just kind of let the moment and just the pressure, I guess, get to him. I don't know. Um, but Novak was just straight killer the whole time. Like didn't let his emotions bother him at all. And no, and Nick did. Um, but recently for golf stuff, like I don't think there's two better players to look at than Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler. I know that they're just having a great year, but both of them, like Scotty Scheffler, his swing different. Uh, but man, he just is a fierce competitor and he's also like an awesome christian dude so i kind of i look up to him because of that because it's like that's that's my dream what he's doing it's just like playing golf and just spreading jesus and loving people while doing it and i think that's just awesome and cam smith man he's just a stud um just with the putter and if he hits the ball good he's good but i think one of my favorite players to watch over the past few years was Brooks Kepka when he went on that tear um, with winning two U.S. Opens and two and two PGAs and just competing in every single major. Um, I mean, he just straight assassin all the time. And I think that's – it works for some people. And then there's, like, people like Cam Smith where it's, like, hmm. just, like, super chill, just, like, doesn't let anything bother him. And I think you just have to find whatever's best for your game. and play like that speaking of Kiros and the mental blow up you talked about how you got super mad at Bandon dunes on that 10th hole and then it kind of led to a cascade what was that cascade like and specifically what does it feel like i know a lot of times especially as a junior golfer you don't necessarily get mad but you like one thing goes wrong and then you make another thing go wrong and then you make another thing go wrong <laughs> and next thing you know you stacked up a double bogey and then you go to the next hole trying to fix that and you stack up another one and before before you know it, you're lost in this cascade and it's kind of swirling and you finish around you look back and say huh how did that happen i wonder how i did that <laughs> yeah. yeah um specifically at Bandon, um, so I ended up, I think making like, I think I made double on 10. So I was back to even par. And honestly, if you're even par through 10 holes at a USAM, like you're, you're fine. Like you're, you're sitting in good position and hole 11, I think, I think I parred and then, so even through 11, but I was still thinking about hole 10 and Whenever that's going on, my mind just races. It's just, I can't quiet it. It's just racing. I, my heart rate, I can tell, is like just beating so much faster. And I just can't chill. Like, I just can't take a deep breath and just be like normal me. Because um, honestly, you can't do anything about it. So I think about it. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And honestly, I got kind of tentative with the driver for the rest of the day about hitting one left. And um, number 12 is a long par three. It was like 250 yards or something. And I had a three iron on the green. Um, and I think I actually parred that one. But then the next hole is a long par four. And I ended up like hitting in a spot you couldn't and just getting super mad. 
and racing again because I'm like, wow, you're just throwing away shots. So then you try to make them up on the next one. And 13 is a drivable par four down the hill, super short, but the green's just like super skinny and kind of wonky. And I hit a three iron left of the green, which is fine. And I think I ended up having like four chips or something like that. Like I couldn't hold the green from where I was. So I just kept going back and forth. And oh, I was so unbelievably mad. And just after that, I think I like doubled or bogeyed every hole coming in. But looking back, it's like, man, you're playing so good. Like, honestly, I felt like for the first nine holes, I was the best player in in the tournament, best player in the world. And humility is not a bad thing. Um, and I definitely got humbled that day and learned a lot. So, so you mentioned, um, you hit that drive out and you just couldn't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. What are, if you remember some of the specific things that you told yourself when, when you hit that ball out of bounds and if you, you know, knowing what you know now, if you, if that were to happen to you again, what would be something that you would try to tell yourself to keep yourself in the present and, and in the round? Absolutely. Um, I'm usually, praise the Lord, like I never think negatively. Um, at least I don't ever try to. Um, I nef- definitely never say anything negative. Um, like I always try to be positive and just I'm kind of just an optimistic guy, so I try to just stay positive. But that day, I guess it was like, Obviously, the biggest tournament I've ever played in, um, the first time ever playing in a USAM. And I was just like, you know you can't go left on that hole because it's literally just a jungle over there. And you're not going to find your ball. And I was like, "How? why would you let yourself hit it left? Um, and, yeah, I was just, I could not let that go. And in my mind, I was just like, thinking about a bunch of don'ts and started thinking about like a bunch of like, I will do these, but I was thinking about don't hit it left. Don't hit it left. Or just like a bunch of like, why, like, why would you hit it left? It's not like I'm trying to hit it left or just it happened. Um, but now, um, and I'm obviously still learning and a lot to learn on the mental side, but it's just trying to forget. It's just like, it's okay. Just step up here and hit your next best shot. Gotcha. That's some really good stuff. Something that I want to ask all our guests is, do you have a, you know, a set of principles that you um, like to stick to when you're trying to scout a course for a practice round? Or do you kind of play that by feel? How do you approach your practice rounds? So practice rounds uh, definitely changed from when I went to college. Uh, Coach Flynn kind of taught me um, because he has been in the, industry for so stinking long and he's watched so many people um like tiger woods and um he mostly talked about him when we were you know if there's one golfer to talk about he's probably a good one to talk about but him um he watched a bunch of his practice rounds and every most of the time you kind of know where you're going to hit it like off the tee unless it's kind of a wonky hole or something like that but most of the time you just want to be around the green so i always I always have two balls with me, drop two at the very front of the green and just put two, one kind of like to the middle and one all the way to the back um, and just see the general uh, shape and like what direction the whole green as a majority goes. Um, And then basically from there, 
go to the middle of the green and kind of putt to the edges. Um, if I know where the green, like where the pins are, I'll go putt a few from to those pins, like around the hole. Um, but yeah, and basically they're just, if I know there is a good miss, I'll go chip a few from there because that's where I would want to miss it. Um, but yeah, I try to keep practice rounds pretty simple and just hit golf shots, tee to green, and um, and then when I get on the green, just kind of do my little homework. I, I love that that part where you say you get to the front of the green, you put one to the middle and one to the back. Um, did you kind of come up with that on your own, or or did somebody um, tell you to do that? So Coach Flynn actually told me to do that. Um, he tells us all to do that, but some of the guys on the team don't necessarily do that. Um, but he said that's what Tiger Woods did, and he's a good one to follow. Um, but basically I do that just to, one, it kind of helps because theoretically the front of the green is the, if you need to like punch out or something, that's usually the safest spot to be is the front of the green. Um, so it's always helpful to get a majority view, um, or an oversizing view of how the green slopes. So if you just, I always roll a few down the middle just to know if the green's a little bit more right to left than it looks or left to right. And yeah, just keep it simple. Tiger is a good one to follow. <laughs> and, uh, as part of that, I don't know if you knew, how did Scott Flynn like get to see so much of tiger in those practice rounds uh etc so who knows exactly what all scott flynn has actually done in his life but at one point he was he worked in la and was like i don't even know 100 percent of what he did but i know i think he worked at los angeles country club and was like a swing instructor for a lot of guys that went to like ucla and um unlv and stuff like that um but he was in Southern California whenever Tiger was growing up. So he got to watch him like play in like junior tournaments a few times. And, um, and then obviously growing up, he was in, I don't really know what the company was called, but I know he ran a bunch of the PJ tour events that were on the West coast kind of side. And he just got to watch, um, him with that and he was used to run a business that jack nicholas i think owned i could be wrong but i think jack nicholas either way jack nicholas was a part of the in the company and he got to pick his brain a bunch with him and uh he's just so full of golf wisdom and it is uh he's been one of the biggest blessings of my life and he's just kind of like a uh like another father figure grandpa in my life so that's awesome He's got, he has a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge and there's not a doubt about that. I got two more questions for you. One of them's our last question we always wrap with, but what is the best shot you've hit at a tournament? Uh, and as part of that, what's the best feeling, uh, that you've had as a team at a tournament? The best shot I've ever hit in a tournament. Hmm. I think two shots come to mind. One was at the OVC Championships, not this past year, but the year before. Um, the I was down two with two to go, and 
17 is a par five that is reachable, but you have to carry water. And 18 is a par three. And it's a really tough par three. And 17, I had a great drive, hit like a four iron onto the green and two putt and made birdie and the other guy made par. And then the last hole, I just hit one of the best eight irons I've ever hit in my life. And it was like 15 feet short of the pin. And I rolled in that birdie putt. And just those two shots back to back, and especially under that uh, pressure moment, was uh, definitely some of the best shots I've ever hit. Um, especially just with the moment. Not necessarily the eight iron to 15 feet, but it was just like I had to do it. So it was really awesome to do that. Um, and then the best team moment I've ever had I don't necessarily think it would be on the golf course. It's just spending quality time with them. Um, just the amount of funny stories that I have, just the amount of laughs and just the van rides. Um, that's one of the things I'm going to miss most about college golf is just the the amount of times I've just cried because I'm laughing so hard. Is just those moments are the best, and those are some of the moments I thank the Lord most for, just because the amount of laughter and joy that I've had with them. So I get that completely. <laughs> uh, so the last question we ask all of our guests is now you're older, wiser. If you could go back to yourself as a junior golfer, tell yourself just one thing, what would it be? I think the one thing I would th say is two things. I think they kind of go together. One is you are what you believe about yourself. Um, I think that is such a simple little thing for your mental game. And not only in for golf, but just for life. It's just like, you are what you believe about yourself. Like, you can believe, like, woe is me. Um, but Or you could believe, like, hey, I know the Lord has made each of us just the way he wants to. And I believe that I'm a son of God. And I will... Just live my life out like that and just know that I'm loved and I know I will make mistakes because I'm a sinner and I'm going to be forgiven. So just the freedom that you have with that is amazing and the joy. And I wish I had learned that a little bit earlier. And then the second thing is um, I wish I knew earlier what hard work was. Um and what that actually looked like and what that actually means. Because um, as I've like grown up and like started to learn, um, especially like Kobe Bryant, he's probably like one of the hardest workers of all time. But I wish I knew what hard work looked like because I think, especially like in high school, I thought hard work was, ah, I got to play golf for a few hours today, played 18. But no, hard work is like actually working on your fundamentals, like, until like you actually cannot mess them up and then like um one of my favorite bible verses is colossians three twenty three, and it says whatever you do work willingly as for, uh, for the lord as uh, as for working for the lord and not for the world or man and i think that's just a great verse just to have in your mind and your heart all the time is just working for the lord because that frees you up too because it's like yeah there's no pressure because i know how the Lord sees me and I'm loved no matter if I perform well or if I don't perform well, like I'm loved just as much. Um, so I also wish I knew that a little bit earlier too, but I'm glad I know all those now. <laughs>
those are good pieces of truth. So uh, if people want to reach you on social media, where else, how can they get in touch with you? So I'm actually not big on social media. I only have an, an Instagram. And uh, I think I'm just Evan Davis too on Instagram. Um, but if anybody listening to this has any questions or anything, I'm, I'd love to answer questions. I'm an open book. So Thanks for joining us today. Please do us a big favor and like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so we can help others learn how to play better tournament golf. You can find us online at thetournamentcode.com, on Instagram at thetournamentcode, and on Twitter at tournamentcode. As always, feel free to reach out to us at those places or email us at daniel at thetournamentcode.com and cooper at thetournamentcode.com. We hope you join us as we continue to dive deeper into what it takes to play elite tournament golf.